Hi, everybody. This is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred. I want to let you know that our shows now are on Facebook Live, as well as right here on the All Andy Alfred Podcast Network. So our shows are unedited, uncensored, and so full of content. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Follow us on our Twitter. It is at All Andy Alfred, as well as on Facebook at Facebook at Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The views of All Andy Alfred are those of Andy's and do not represent the Spotify Podcast Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at the goal. 54 runs in the span of the Shut out. Well, 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 2023 has come and gone, ladies and gentlemen, 2023 has been a surprising year for yours truly. Having a fantastic Christmas holiday season. The lights are still up because we have the epiphany happening on Saturday, which is the official end of the Christmas season. So the Christmas decorations will be up until the end of this week. But the uh, decorations in my house are gone. So we're moving on. And Happy New Year. And welcome to 2024. And welcome to all Andy Alford. Because I love you guys. And welcome in to the first episode of 2024 right here on the All Andy Alford Network. And you're listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the All Andy Alford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen to our podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show to hear what's happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in uh, my everyday life. You can always be a part of our podcast by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. We tape this podcast on we you can listen to it anytime on a, your pl- different platforms but we have the show live every single time on Facebook live where you can post your comments, questions and concerns right here on the All Andy Offer Network. So welcome in, happy new year to you all on this the 4th day of January 2024. 2024 has arrived ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I've already got my first question, and Steve, it sounds like it's going to be a go for us on Saturday for the hockey game. I believe it will be. So it's up in the air right now, but it's leaning towards we're going to be headed down to down to the uh, down to Bowling Green for that hockey game. There's a little bit of me that's thinking we could be headed to Cincinnati for this walleye game. We'll leave with the walleye here in just a second. Lots to get into, of course. We're going to talk about the Lions and the the screw job that they got in Dallas. Of course, claiming the North on Christmas Eve. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about my experience at Cleveland Browns Stadium, my first time at Browns Stadium as I see them clinch a playoff spot. We'll talk about that. Also, the college football playoff is finally set. It will be the Michigan Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh and J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum taking on Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. We'll preview that game as well as the rest of the recap, all the rest 
all the rest of the college football bowl games and bowl mania, of course. The first PGA event is happening in, in Hawaii. We'll talk about that. Also, we're going to dive into a little bit of pro wrestling as well, too. So, again, if you're on our Facebook Live, go ahead, post it. I see Steve's already talking a little bit right now. Um, I hope I will see you there. There was a lot of tickets still available. Uh, and the students, student section isn't filled because the students don't come back until Tuesday. So, maybe, possibly, we'll, we'll be there. So, Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time on Saturday night. So if you will see me possibly either in Cincinnati for the walleye game, we're talking about that, but it looks like we're going to be in God's country, Bowling Green, Ohio, for the big Bowling Green, Ohio State hockey game. It is a home-and-home for those two teams. Tomorrow night they will be at Value City Arena. It's Teddy Bear Toss night for them uh, against uh, for Ohio State, it's their home game at Value City Arena. Then they will make the trek back up to Slater Family Ice Arena tomorrow on Saturday night to take on the Falcons in the Madhouse on Mercer. So we'll talk about that. We'll briefly talk about that in just a little bit. So we'll do some housekeeping really quickly before we continue on. Uh, what we are planning for this year in 2024, of course. Uh, one of the big stories that we just found out, we're probably going to be going to it, of course, the NFL draft is happening in Detroit this year. The NFL draft is happening in Detroit this year. There's a possibility of that. There's also a possibility of us heading out to Vegas. Spotify might be picking that up. We'll give you details and postings about that as we go on. Of course, we'll be having coverage for the Dana Open, of course. Yours truly looks like he's going to be volunteering for it. Uh, it'll be my first opportunity for that, and we'll be actually getting to know the players and getting to know some of the activities as well and, and giving you more of an in-depth coverage of the Dana Open as well. Of course, every walleye playoff game, after every walleye playoff game, you want to be tuned in to here because we will give I will give you my instant reaction to what's ha what happened on the ice during the walleye playoff run if they make the playoffs. They're in a pretty good shape right now, and they signed a couple big players. We'll talk about that here in just a few seconds as well. Uh, we're going to have more shows, of course. We'll have our MLB preview edition with, of course, Lucas Sigerson and also Logan Carr. We'll have the NFL preview show. We'll have the NHL preview show for next season, of course. Lots of guests, lots of, t lots of talk, and especially for you, the fan, we're going to have more interactions for you, the fans, to interact with with yours truly, as well as with all our guests that come on our podcast. So go ahead, hit the subscribe button, start your 2024 with this podcast, because this is the one you won't want to miss right here on the All Andy Elford Network. So there's some housekeeping for you, of course. Uh, you, if you were looking for the best of 2023, well, we didn't get that much of a 2023 podcast. Uh, we were working on a few things uh, working it, you know, giving it like a top five, but it just didn't feel like it was right. And with the holidays and everything like that, we just skated into 2024. But we're here now. We're going to be doing podcasts each week right here, uh, getting you set up for the long run that it's going to be the walleye run, as well as the wrong run for that for the Blue Jackets and the start of the Tigers and Guardians season as well. So also got to give credit to somebody right now. My friends, Brian and Angela, they hooked us up here. Look at this right here. This is a old school, old school BGSU 
football jersey. It's got the number 10 from 2010. On the back side of it, back side of it, of course, it has the BGSU logo on the back. Now, I can't fit into this jersey, of course. Uh, it's a size large, so it's going to hang up here in the man cave. But I wanted to give a little credit to show you how old this jersey is. If you remember, yes, if you remember this, Value City, that's old school. This is old school. Look at that Falcon logo right there. Falcon logo. Luffler's got his good, got a good crew coming in. They're going to be dominant. They played pretty well against Minnesota. We'll talk about that here in just a few seconds. But uh, roll along, BG Warriors. Roll along. Uh, my Christmas was fantastic. Uh, got what everything I needed in regards of uh, you know the underwear, socks, the reloads of everything. Uh, Got some beautiful things for my wife. Of course, one of the big things was uh, with me becoming a Catholic, I got a uh, crucifix, and that was cool to have. Um, we've, we celebrated with family, friends, ain't too much. Got a lot, a lot of nice gifts. But it's good to reset and re come back and be better than ever right here on the podcast with you guys tonight. So it is truly a pleasure to be with you, and we're going to start first and foremost with what's happening on the pond. What's happening over at the bank tank and a huge signing, absolute huge signing today by the walleye. And I'm going to say this. I will absolutely say this to a T. You know, the walleye signed a huge deal today. Of course, our guy is back on the pond. He's back for this for this weekend. Now we found out this week that this weekend he is only playing this weekend, but it's a big step. Three games. Remember, you to qualify for an ECHL postseason roster, you have to play with a team for a minimum of twelve games. And Gordy Meyer is coming back to the Walleye, and that was announced this afternoon by the Walleye. They signed Meyer to a contract. Meyer, of course, after appearing with 121 games with the Fish in the past two seasons, he had nine goals, 39 assists, and 48 points with 30 minutes of penalties during his career last year with the Fish. Meyer is a plus 21 in helping the Walleye reach the Kelly Cup Finals. The same, that same year, the former Ohio State Buckeye made his AHL debut with eight, with appearing in eight games for the Grand Rapids Griffins with two assists. Meyer has not yet played this year. He's been actually living in in Cleveland, going to Cleveland State University to become a lawyer, so a real estate lawyer. So uh, uh, Jordan Strack did a nice piece on him. Of uh, uh, a nice piece on him, I recommend going to watch that. But Meyer coming into the lineup this weekend, big three game series with with Fort Wayne. Cincinnati, and then the final game, I think it's Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken on that, but that is a big signing. But this, uh, the other signing, of course, was Grant Louisville. Grant played in the SPHL, the Southern Professional Hockey League, this year. Played 24 games with Fayetteville. He has seen posted 21 points, which is 8 goals and 21 assists this season, with a total of 14 penalty minutes. And uh, this 26-year-old who played the last five years of college hockey with Canisius, St. Thomas, and Northern Michigan is going to be a, uh, a force to be reckoned with in the bank tank. 
with him. He is a grand, native of Grand Folks, Minnesota. He has appeared in 148 games with 18 goals, 29 assists, and 99 minutes in penalties. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Big series for the Fish this upcoming weekend. And that's coming off of a, a good week that they played last week at between the Huntington Center, the Wings Event Center, and in the Coliseum. Now, the Coliseum, the game on the Coliseum, I want to talk about that in depth, but we'll, let's get right into what we saw this past week with the Fish. Now, the Fish started off last week, and we're, we're not going to go into the Christmas week, of course. Uh, did get a chance to go see them Christmas Eve, Eve, in the game against Cincinnati. They absolutely dominated Cincinnati in that game. It was good to see the Fish get on to the right page. With regarding of that, but of course, we start first and foremost with what happened on the 27th at the Bank Tank after Christmas, and it was the Walleye taking on the same Cincinnati Cyclones, and the Cyclones getting the better of the fish in this game. Cyclones jumping out to the early lead by Josh Burnside, his first of the season from Andrusiak and Vibe. 54 seconds into the first period, making a 1-0 Cincinnati lead, but then on the power play in with two at the 2.06 mark of the period, Trenton Bliss gets his 11th of the season from Riley McCourt and Brandon Hawkins, tying the game at one apiece. But then Patrick Polino getting the shorthanded, unassisted goal, beating, beating goaltender Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar making it a 2-1 Cincinnati lead after 20 minutes of play. Burnside then gets his second of the game, second of the season from Smerrick and Dougherty, making it a 3-1 Cincinnati lead before Sam Kreis gets his 16th of the season from Sawchuck and Cruz. It's now a 3-2 game after 40 minutes of play, but then Brandon Hawkins in the po- on the power play with under 10 minutes to go in the in the game, ties it up. Gets his 16th of the season from Bliss in Sucesso, and it's 3-3 after after 60 minutes of play. We head to the shootout, and Toledo started off, was in the shootout first, shot first. Colin Keenan misses his attempt. Hawkins took the second. uh, Lee Lampard makes his attempt, makes it 1-0 Cincinnati. Alex White, then it was Brandon Hawkins missing his attempt. And then it was... Whiteman make it missing his attempt, making it still one nothing. And Oren Sucesso tries to capitalize, misses his attempt, and that was the final at the bank tank. The Cyclones getting the better of the fish in this game by the score of four to three in a shootout win. Lee Lampert, the number one star; Josh Burnside, the number two star; Brandon Hawkins, the number three star in the game. It was Olaf Limbrov stopping third, stopping twenty seven to thirty in this game on. Wednesday night at the bank tank, it was Jared Bednar stopping 28 of 31 in front of 8,300 in attendance at the Huntington Center. On Wednesday, the 27th of December, the Fish getting the beat by the Cyclones by a score of 4 to 3. We then move ahead to the what happened Friday night. On the 29th, Toledo headed up to Kalamazoo for a big game against the against the K-Wings, and the Fish did jump out early as it was Thomas Farrell getting his first as a Fish 
from Sawchuk and Lewandowski, and it was one nothing Fish after 20 minutes of play. And then Desik getting his fifth of the season for the for the K-Wings from Adams and Kiefer, making it a 1-1 game after 40 minutes of play. But then Riley Sawchuk getting his fourth of the season for Michael Lewandowski and great Chase Gersock makes it a 2-1 Fish lead. The K-Wings getting the go-ahead tie, the tying goal at the 15-52 mark of the period is Josh Polis from Derek Densky and Colin Walters making it a 2-2 game. But then in the overtime period on the power play, the Fish capitalizes. Lewandowski gets his seventh of the season from Trenton Bliss and Brandon Hawkins at the 2:45 mark of the overtime period. The Fish getting a big win, getting the extra point. Getting the huge win at K-Wings Event Center by the score of 3-2. Toledo in the game outshot Kalamazoo in the game 41-17. Unbelievable. Toledo won for four on the power play. That power play goal was the game-winning goal as Toledo had only had 25 minutes in penalties. Kalamazoo 0-5 on the power play. They only had 13 minutes in penalties in the game. The three stars, Lewandowski, the number one star, Sawchuk, the number two star, and Farrell, the number three star in the game. Uh, Jan Bendar stopping 15 of 17 in the game. For Kalamazoo, it was uh, Jonathan Lemieux, 38 of 41, in front of 3,569 in attendance at K-Wings Event Center and beautiful Kalamazoo, Michigan. We get to then Saturday, the Fish return back to the Huntington Center to play, again, the Cincinnati Cyclones. A huge game for the Fish in this one to continue their momentum as they were off of the loss against Cincinnati on Wednesday night. They come back home to the to the tank on Saturday, and it started off with Sam Craig getting a shorthanded tally from Lewandowski and McCourt, it's one nothing. Fish two minutes and twelve seconds into the first period, but before Zach Andrusiak getting his tenth of the season from the former Fish, Cole Frazier, his seventh assist of the season, tying the game after twenty minutes of play. It was one one. You get into the second, and Lee Lampert getting his fourth of the season from Steve McLean and Lincoln Griffin, making it a two one Cincinnati lead after forty minutes of play. Then the Fish really turned it on. Cruz gets his ninth of the season, tying the game from Hawkins and Letheman on the power play. The Fish jump out and tie the game. And then Adrian Baraldo getting his first of the season from Sam Craigs and Brandon Cruz. It's a big lead for the Fish. The Fish then takes a 3-2 lead. The Fish puts the dagger into the Cyclones. As Cesso gets the empty netter from Hawkins and Wallets. And at the bank tank on Saturday night, the Fish get a huge 4-2 win over the Cincinnati Cyclones. Toledo out shooting Cincinnati in the game 40-25. Toledo 1-for-4 on the power play. Cincinnati 0-for-5. It's a pretty clean game in this in this realm. Berardo, the number one star. Letheman, the number two star. And Cruz, the number three star. As John Letheman stopped 23-of-25 in this game. It was uh, Lindbrom stopping 36-of-39 in the game for the Fish on Saturday, the 30th of December. You get to New Year's Eve on the 31st, and the Fish went into the Coliseum. Now, this was a huge game for the Fish. They were playing in front of a good 10,000 in attendance at the at the Coliseum in Fort Wayne. And there was a lot of walleye fans that made the trek, too. 
a Coliseum. And the Fish jumped out to the early 1-0 lead as Sam Greggs gets his 18th of the season from Farrell and Carson Demine. 1-0 Fish before Xavier Comier gets his 4th of the season from Gresick and Jake Johnson on the power play at the 12.52 mark of the period, making it a 1-1 game. Then Riley Sawchuk getting his 5th of the season from Michael Pavlis and Chase Grissock, making it a 2-1 Fish lead. Halfway through the first period, and then Trenton Bliss, right before the end of the period, gets his 12th of the season from Paras and Demine, making it a solid 3-1 fish lead after 20 minutes of play. In the second period, of course, Toledo gets called, gets an even power play for them, and it was, of course, the Hawk himself, Brandon Hawkins, getting his 17th of the season from Bliss and McCourt. Taking the commanding lead in this game, and then Riley Sawchuk getting his sixth of the season from Curse at the 425 mark, not even a minute later. And the Fish are dominating in this game. Kalamazoo then capitalized with Linden getting his 14th of the season from Kappen and Dugan. It's a solid lead still for the Fish before Matt Anderson, shorthanded, gets his fourth of the season. His fourth of the season from Sawchuk and Lewandowski. The fish are up huge. Again, they're up six to two after forty minutes of play. The fish never looked back. Even though Fort Wayne rallied as they got two in the third period from Gorick, his fourth of the season from Acost, and Bergnar getting his ninth, and then at the eighteen thirty six mark on the power play, kept in from Dugan and Burkhart, but it was not enough. The fish still get the win. They end twenty twenty three with a big six four win in front of a ten thousand plus crowd at the Coliseum. The Fish, a huge win. Fort Wayne did outshoot Toledo in this game by a score of 38-30. to Toledo was 1-for-2 on the power play. Fort Wayne 2-for-6 on the power play. And I get back to what happened. Lewin, uh, uh, Brandon Cruz was set a dish out a match penalty in this game for a slew foot. He got caught with the slew foot. It was clear as day. I watched the replay as it happened. He got caught with it. He is suspended for some for a couple games. It does not look good in that realm for for Brandon Cruz. So he is out for this weekend. The fish are gonna need help a little bit on that. That's why they signed Meyer. That's why they signed this kid out of out of the SPHL. We'll see how that all shakes out. But the three stars of the game went to Riley Sawchuk, the number one star. Trenton Bliss, the number two star. Ethan Crapper gets the number three star in the game. By the way, John Letheman, 30, stopping 34 of 38 in the game. For Fort Wayne, it was uh, Brent Burrow stopping 12 of 17, gave him up five goals before Tyler Park came in. He stopped 12 of 13. Like I said, 10 is 10,479 on New Year's Eve. So the fish, a huge win against against the Fort Wayne Comets. Uh, you get into what's happening. There's no games happening tonight, of course. This weekend is a big slate for the Fish. The Fish will head home. They'll play Fort Wayne tonight, tomorrow night at the Bank Tank. 7-15 puck drop for that one. Uh, it is a sellout, of course. So if you've got tickets, enjoy them. If you're looking for tickets on secondary markets, they're ranging between one ticket being $20 to being $120 for a four pack of the glass. It just, it just, if you're going to the game, enjoy the game. If you're looking for tickets, it's going to be hard to find. The Sunday game is still not sold, totally sold out. 
I would recommend if you want to go to a game this weekend before the start of the new week or the, a lot of people go back to work starting next week because of this being New Year's week, Sunday would be the best option. Sunday would be the best option. But the Fish will take on Fort Wayne. Other games that are happening this weekend that are important for the Fish, Cincinnati is in Kalamazoo to battle the K-Wings. Indiana, the Indy Fuel will take on Norfolk. Uh, Redding is in Idaho, which is a huge series for that game. That is a huge series for Redding right there. Uh, Saturday, we'll see the Fish in Cincinnati. That is a 7.35 puck drop for that one uh, at Heritage Bank Center. And like I said, we're I'm torn between either going to Cincinnati for that big game and experiencing Cincinnati for that hockey game or going to Bowling Green for the for the BGSU hockey game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm torn. I'll let you know. But Toledo will take on Cincinnati. Fort Wayne will host in uh, Iowa. Uh, Wheeling will be in Orlando to battle the Solar Bears. Indy will be in Norfolk to battle the, 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 the Admirals. Um, and... Yeah, Reading is in Idaho to battle the Steelheads in that one. Sunday slate, like I said, Toledo will be at home. They will be playing the Cincinnati Cyclones yet again. It'll be a home-and-home home for the Cyclones and the Fish. 515 puck drop for that one at the Bank Tank. So get your tickets for that game for those games by calling 419-725-WALL, ToledoWallway.com, or head down to the Huntington Center box office. I recommend it. I always will say this. Recommend going to the Huntington Center box office because if you buy tickets through the phone or buy tickets online, you're paying a service charge for that. You're paying a $2 service charge. But if you buy the tickets in the Huntington Center or at the Swamp Shop, you're not paying the service fee. You're not paying the two extra dollars. And you actually will have a physical ticket, which will have the discounts on the back of it for the different restaurants and different items. So I, I, I highly recommend it to people. I know the convenience factor is to pull up your phone, get the tickets, and go to the game. But for me, I always like a physical ticket because a physical ticket will show you, you know, you get to have a keepsake. You get to have, you get to have something to remind you of, a, of this game, remind you of the event that you went to. You know, and I, I collect them. I collect tickets. I collect tickets for every event that I go to. So, yeah. So, of course, the fish... After this series against Cincinnati on Saturday and Sunday, Toledo will then play again on Wednesday night in Indianapolis at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. That game on Wednesday night, seven o'clock drop in Fort Wayne, in, excuse me, not in Fort Wayne, but in Indianapolis. Then next weekend, the Fish will be starting their weekend Friday night in Kalamazoo for the K Wing game. They'll be at Kalamazoo Event Center. On the 12th, they return back to the bank tank on the 13th to play those same Kalamazoo Wings. It'll be a home-and-home for that that game. And then Sunday, the 14th, the Fish will host the Indy Fuel in that realm as well, too. Also, got to make mention of this as well. Uh, end, of, end of January, the Fit Toledo Walleye will honor the anniversary of the 92-93-93-94 Toledo Storm team they will be wearing Toledo Storm jerseys they will have the they will have the the uh, Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame inductions that weekend as well we're going to give you coverage on that 
all weekend long. Stay with us. Follow our f- social media platforms at All Andy Elford and on our Facebook page, which is the All Andy Elford Facebook page. As you are watching and listening to All Andy Elford. And by the way, let's get into the standings going into this weekend's play for the Fish. Fish running pretty well. They are running pretty well right now. The Fish in the top spot in the Central Division at 24-1-3 with 44 points. Fort Wayne 16-12-1-2 with 35 points. Wheeling 15-11-1-1 with 32 points. Kalamazoo 14-15-1-0 with 29 points. Cincinnati is at 500 at 14-14-1 with 29 points. Indy 12-12-4-0 with 28 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders are 11-15-4-1 with 27 points. In the Mountain Division sees the Kansas City Mavericks in the top spot at 23-7-1-0 with 47 points. Idaho 22-8-0-1 with 45 points. The Rapid City Rush are 14-14-2-0 with 30 points. The Tulsa Oilers 13-14-3-0 with 29 points. The Allen Americans 13-17-1-0 with 27 points. It is the Wichita Thunder at 10 16 4 0 with 24 points, and the Utah Grizzlies at 11 17 0 0 with 22 points. That's the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, it looks a little bit different. And the surprising for me is Greenville. Greenville's 21 9 1 0 in the South Division at 43 points. Orlando 17 9 1 1 with 36 points. South Carolina 17 9 2 0. With 36 points. Jacksonville right there at 16, 11, 3, and 0 with 35 points. The Florida Everblades are 14, 10, 0, 10, 4, and 0 with 32 points. Savannah, 11, 16, 3, and 1 with 26 points. And the Atlanta Gladiators, 11, 19, 0, and 0 with 22 points. The North Division sees the Adirondack Thunder holding the top spot at 19, 8, 2, and 1 with 41 points. The Norfolk Avros, 15, 11, 2, and 1 with 33 points. The Travosa Lions are 15-15-2-0 with 32 points. The Newfoundland Growlers 14-12-4-0 with 32 points. The Worcester Railers are, by the way, it's the Three Rivers Lions. Three Rivers Lions. And I just realized that too. It's the Three Rivers Lions. The Newfoundland Growlers 14-12-0-0 with 32 points. Worcester Railers are 13-11-3-2 with 31 points. The Reading Royals 12 14 1 and 1 with 26 points and the Maine Mariners are 10 12 4 and 0 with 24 points. By the way, Brandon Hawkins was named to the to the, from the Toledo Walleye has been named to the All-Star team this season for the All-Star game that will take place in Savannah, Georgia. So Hawkins it was also named the Warrior Hockey ECHL player of the month as well. If that's not a curse, I don't know what to tell you. So, Fish at home tomorrow night against Fort Wayne, 7-15. Then they're in Cincinnati on Saturday, and then they welcome Cincinnati back in on Sunday. And that's what's happening in the bank, at the tank, and on the pond, as you are watching and listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the All Andy Elford Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight, as well as watching us right here on Facebook Live, and now we'll get into what's happening in the National Hockey League, of course, so I got a chance to watch a little bit of the Winter Classic 
We'll get into the wall uh, jackets here in just a second. But the Winter Classic, the ratings came out for this. It was the lowest viewed Winter Classic in the history of the National Hockey League. And what do you expect? It's being since it's Seattle and Vegas, two teams that you know are late night games for a lot of people. And getting the opportunity to see them play, you know, at three thirty in the afternoon, it's great to see. Absolutely great to see. So it was the first time I got a chance to watch since uh, uh, Seattle play all season. And they'll play the Jackets here in the next weekend. But, you know, the festivities was fantastic. I thought the rink at Safeco Field was really good, or T-Mobile Park, or whatever you're calling where the Mariners play at was a good spot for it. But I have a question. Gary Bettman was on on the TNT pregame show talking to Paul Bissonnette, Anson Carter, Wayne Gretzky, Liam McHugh. They were all, you know, giving softball questions. Anson Carter asked the question to Gary Bettman on the announcement for the 2024-2025 Winter Classic. Gary did not give an answer to this question of who is hosting. Now, every year at the Winter Classic, they announce the next year's Winter Classic and the next year's Winter Classic host. Now I have a question, and I and it's bothering me the most. Why isn't Columbus getting the Winter Classic? Why hasn't Columbus gotten the Winter Classic? The market is there for it, absolutely there for it. Where would you play it? Well, I would. I I have said this so many times to so many people in so many years. This game has to be played at Ohio State Stadium, plain and simple. The attendance record for the all, for the NHL's Winter Classic was broken back in 2012 when the Detroit Red Wings took on the Toronto Maple Leafs at at Ann Arbor Stadium in Michigan at Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor 106,000 the shoe seats 107,000 can they break the attendance record again? I say yes. Now the question you have is, who would Columbus play? Well, I would have to play, have them play against the Detroit Red Wings and match it up being Michigan versus Ohio yet again. Now people would say, well, you got to have them play against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is a rivalry for the team because it's the Metropolitan. It could be. But if you want to play it right... And have it being Michigan versus Ohio. Why not being the Red Wings versus the Blue Jackets? It would build this mark, build the market in Columbus and all of Ohio to come to Columbus for this big hockey game. It would draw the people here in in Toledo to come down to, Col- to Columbus for this hockey game because they could see the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets and build that org- build build up that organization even more. Into from north into the northwest Ohio, bring the hockey fan from northeast Ohio, from southwest Ohio, from southeast Ohio, and from northwest Ohio down to Columbus for this game. You know, and to have that game happen would be perfect. Would honestly be absolutely perfect. And I would want we would want that game. We would fill that stadium. We would enjoy the game. I would be freezing my ass off. I'd be perfectly fine with it. So, Gary, let's make it happen. 
Let's get the Winter Classic to Columbus. And I've heard about what, what it is. The, 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 the problem is the plumbing at Ohio State Stadium. Well, the plumbing has to be improved anyway because of the new college football playoffs that are going to happen starting next season. You're going to play the regular season out, and then you're going to have teams have home games, home games in their stadiums at the end of the regular season. And the end of the regular season is December, January, it's middle of December. You're going to have people in Ohio State Stadium, if Ohio State makes the college football playoffs, you're going to have them in that stadium. The plumbing's got to be there. So why not? Why not have this game played at Ohio State Stadium? Do not put it at Cruz Stadium, at lower.com field. Do not put this game at, you know, at the old Cruz Stadium. Do not move this game to Cleveland. Do not move this game. If you want to move the game to Cleveland, move the game to Cleveland. I will I will give you that. You want to play at Paul Brown Stadium, Paul, Paul or at where First Energy Stadium is, or where the Browns play at, Cleveland Browns Stadium, play it. Play it there if you want to play it. But we know what happened the last time we had an outdoor game there. The six-hour delay, and it was it, it it was not good. So I will say it again. This game needs to be played at Ohio State Stadium. Plain and simple. The Jackets need to go and play the Detroit Red Wings in the Winter Classic next year or the year after at Ohio State Stadium. It has to be that way. Because every team, with regarding of a few, have had an outdoor game. And Columbus has not gotten one. And I believe Columbus should get one. And the league would be, you know, fans would be flocking to this game. They would flock to this. Columbus is a market that everybody would, everybody likes in the league. You, nobody doesn't like Columbus. The Jackets are not like, are, are liked by everybody. So, again, Winter Classic, Ohio State Stadium, Detroit versus Columbus. Let's make it happen. Plain and simple. Now, if we can get a good team on the ice, the Jacket team on, on the ice, be perfectly fine. But the way that this team has been playing as of late, I wouldn't want to have them on the ice this season for a winter class. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But going back to Going back to the Jackets. From this past weekend. Jackets had huge games. Three big games coming off of the Christmas holiday. They started off in New Jersey to battle the Devils. It was not a good outing for the Jackets in this game. Jackets went into New Jersey and played pretty well. They played pretty well. Started off with Jake Bean getting his second of the season from Brandon Goss into Alexander Texier. It was one nothing. Jackets on top of the Devils, but then 
uh, Platt getting his fifth of the season from Halla and Mercer tying the game at the 9.55 mark of the first period. And it was 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. But then my guy, Justin Danforth, getting his ninth of the season from Juracek and Fantelli. It's 2-1 Jackets. And then into the third period, it was Dawson Mercer getting his ninth of the season from Medic. His fourth is tied at two apiece halfway through the third period. But then Igor Chinnikov at the 1734 mark at the period of the third period takes the lead for the Jackets. The Jackets jumped out to the 3 2 lead. And they, I felt like this is, you know, it, it just seems how every time the Jackets take the lead, it just always falls apart. And yet again, Luke Hughes for the Devils capitalized, getting his fifth of the season from Jack Hughes. And Mercer tying the game up at three, and we go to overtime. Jackets get a point. Hopefully they get the second point, but no, unfortunately not. A bad break, and Timo Meyer comes in unassisted and buries it past, past the Jacket goalie. And Tarasov, Jackets lose 4-3. Jackets outshot in the game 35 to 29. The Devils led in the faceoff dot 52% to 48%. Columbus had six minutes in penalties to New Jersey's eight, six minutes in penalties. Columbus did outhit the Devils in the game 25 to 16. In the game, the three stars of the game, uh, they didn't announce the three stars of the game, but of course, oh, here it is. The three stars of the game. Now, they didn't have the three stars of the game, but Merz Lincolns did not start. It was uh, Merz Lincolns did start. He stopped 31 of 35. Save percentage of a point eight eight six. For the Devils, it was Vanek stopping 26 of 29. Save percentage of a point eight nine seven. So the Jackets fall to the Devils on the 27th. On the 29th, they welcomed in the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were their final opponent before Christmas. And the Jackets get the better of the Leafs. And it, it was a great game. I, I watched it from start to finish, and it felt like the Jackets really came out and did pretty well. The Leafs did not, you know, did not put it up, put up a good put up a good fight against them. And Mitch Miner getting his 14th of the season from Morgan Riley jumped out to the early 1-0 lead before Cole Sillinger getting his 4th of the season from Jake Bean tying the game at 1 apiece at the 11-17 mark of the period before Austin Matthews getting his 29th of the season from Mitch Martyr at the 12-55 mark of the first period taking the 2-1 lead after 20 minutes of play before Nicholas Robinson in the second period getting the his 4th of the season from Max Domi and Lindgren making it 3-1 Toronto, and you're figuring to yourself, oh boy, this is not, this could be a runaway game. But then, of course, Brandon Goss getting his first of the season from Alexander Texier and uh, Severson, making it a 3-2 game. We figured that the, fish, the the Jackets would start to move up the momentum, but then it was brought right back down with William Neer. Nylander getting his 17th of the season from Matthews and Riley on the power play, making it a 4 2. Uh, Leaf Lee before David Volkoff getting his seventh of the season from Goudreau and Provorov making it a 4-3 game. And then Kent Johnson at the 12-43 mark of the same period ties the game at four apiece. He figured the Jackets were starting to really get something going, really some, cook something before Jonathan Tavares dashes it. 
getting his 11th of the season on the power play from Nylander and Riley. It's 5-4 after 40 minutes of play. In the third period, the Jackets were battling back and forth, and they capitalized with Adam Fintelli getting his 10th of the season from Johnny Goudreau, tying the game at 5 apiece. And then in the overtime period, it was Johnny Goudreau getting the face-off, getting the win, bringing the puck into the getting the pass from Severson and Danforth, capitalizing on the even strength going overtime, and yours truly gets to see the Jackets take two or three from the Leafs as the season series ends with the Jackets winning the series two out of three with a big 6-5 win over the Leafs. The Jackets were outshot in the game 33-21. to They were out-dominated in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. Both teams 50% on the power play. Both teams hitting at even marks in the game. And by the way, in the game, it was uh, uh, Samsonov stopping 15-21. of The save percentage was 7.714. For the Jackets, it was, of course, like I mentioned before, it was Merzlinka starting the game. He stopped 12 of 14 before being pulled. And Martin Kimson, he stopped 16 of 19. 16 of 19, save percentage of a .842. And by the way, if you're wondering what I'm looking at, too, the Jackets are playing right now. They have tied the game against the Philadelphia Flyers. They have tied it. It is 2-2. They were down 2-0 in the third period. It's great to freaking see. Back to what the Leaf game was. Jackets, a huge win, 6-5 over the Leafs. The next night, they went into Buffalo to battle the Sabres. The Sabres getting the better of the Jackets in overtime, 3-2. If you look at it overall, uh, Severson getting his fourth of the season, Fentilli his 11th of the season, but it was all dominated by Jeff Skinner getting the game winner in overtime, a 3-2 win. Buffalo out shooting Columbus in the game 42-20. They led in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. Uh, Jackets out hitting the Sabres in the game 14-11 in the game. And by the way, starting goaltender for the Jackets in this one was was Tarasov. He stopped 39-42. He's playing tonight. And for the Sabres in the game, it was uh, uh, Luke Coleman, 18 of 20. Sabres percentage of a point nine zero in the game. And so we all in, turned the calendar to 2024. The Jackets were taking on Took on the Boston Bruins this past Tuesday and fell to the Bruins by a score of 4-1. to one. Jackets were really not dominated in this game. Nobody scored in the first period, but then we get into the second, and that's when all the scoring really took, in, took into help as Kevin Shackenkirk gets his fifth of the season from Grisnick and Coyle. It's one nothing before Kent Johnson getting the lone goal for the Jackets in this game from Provorov and Volkanov. It's 1-1. At the 4.06 mark of the period. And then James Van Riemsdyk gets his 7th of the season from DeBrusque and Lindholm on the power play. At the 13.07 mark of the period. Bruins take a 2-1 lead. They add to it in the 3rd from Dalton Helm. From Van Riemsdyk. It's 3-1. 
Bruins, and then Trent Vol- Frederick getting his 10th of the season from James Van Rienstijk. It's 4-1. That was the final. Both teams even in their shots at 27 apiece. The Jackets led in the faceoff dot 60% to 40%. Uh, Columbus, 8 minutes in penalties. Uh, Boston, 4 minutes in penalties in the game right now as we are now into the game against the against the Flyers. We are at the 8.35 mark of this period. The Jackets are up. Jackets and Sabres, uh, Jackets and Flyers are tied two apiece as we're now heading into the TV timeout. Uh, so stay with us. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk more about the NHL here and so much more. So right here on all Andy Alfred as we're continuing to watch this jacket flyer game right now with 7:20 and change to go into this period. Jackets and Flyers are both tied at two apiece. I want to see how this is going to shake out too. We're going to stay with you here on this on the podcast. We'll dive more into the NFL here in week 18, my predictions of that, as well as the college football playoffs. But we're going to keep tabs. We're keeping tabs on this jacket game. Of course, the jackets after tonight, they will be ta- they will be continuing the trip for them. As jackets are now going to get a power play. Jackets are going to the power play. Huge power play for the jackets here. Absolutely huge. Jackets will come home on Saturday night to take on the Minnesota Wild on the 6th. Then they will head on Tuesday the 9th to Winnipeg to take on the Winnipeg Jets before returning back home on the 13th of Saturday to take on Everett Fitzhugh and the Seattle Kraken. And then they'll welcome in Vancouver for a nice long homestand. They'll play Seattle on the 13th, Vancouver on the 15th, and the Devils on the 19th. Jackets can't get anything going on this power play really quickly here. As we're getting it around here. Jake Bean getting the tying goal, taking it at two apiece, his third of the season. Severson getting his fifth of the season. It's 2-1. It jumped out to the early lead for the Flyers. It was Konechny in in the first period making his 19th of the season. He's got two in the night for the Flyers. His 19th and 20th of the campaign. I got 640 to go in this 620 to go in this game. Jackets are on the power play at the with a minute 25 to go on the power play. And about 627 to go. Jackets are, are you know are moving the puck around and they're getting opportunities, but this is how it's been all season, folks. They've been on the seats. They are the hot rod jackets. The jackets are being outshot in this game, thirty-five to nineteen, by the Philadelphia Flyers in this game. Jackets having opportunity after opportunity to try to connect it here and put it into the back of the net. Chance after chance. Under a minute to go on the power play.
under a minute to go in the power play. Can they capitalize? We're going to stay with it here. By the way, the All-Star game was announced. The rosters have been set. The All-Star game, uh, our captain, Boone Jenner, will be going to the All-Star game. Even though he has a broken jaw, hopefully he'll be healed up in time. 30 seconds to go on the power play for that one. This is a big game. This is big for the Jackets. They need to score on this power play. They need to get a goal in here. They can't get Philadelphia momentum, and they need points. They need two points. They don't need one point, and to get the extra point later, they can't be giving up points in this in this game. They absolutely can't. And the power power play's done. Flyers are getting the puck. They're getting the puck as they're going down the ice. Jackets win. Jackets win. Jackets win, and this game belongs to Tarasov. If you're watching, you're watching us, uh, watching the game. Jackets a huge win tonight over the Philadelphia Flyers in a shootout. Severson, great game. Jackets win, huge win for the Jackets tonight against the Flyers after coming off the loss against the Bruins, four to one. But the Jackets win in a shootout tonight, 3-2. to two. Huge win for the Jackets. Huge. I mean, it doesn't help their case out to get out of the bottom, but a huge win and a huge momentum swing for the Jackets after that loss against the Boston Bruins. The Jackets, with their win tonight, are now 13-19-8 with, with now 34 points. Uh, the Penguins are 18-14-4 with 40 points. The Washington Capitals 18, 12, and 6 with 42 points. The Devils 20, 14, 2, 42 points. The Flyers with the loss are now 19, 13, and 5 with 43 points. The Islanders are 17, 10, and 10 with 44 points. Carolina 21, 13, and 4 with 46 points. And the top team is the New York Rangers at 26, 10, and 1 with 53 points. In the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins are in the top spot. At 23-7-6 with 52 points. Florida, 23-12-2 with 48 points. Toronto, 19-10-7 with 45 points. Uh, Tampa Bay, 18-15-5 with 41 points. Detroit, 18-16-4 with 40 points. Montreal, 16-17-5 with 37 points. Buffalo, 16-19-4 with 36 points. And the Ottawa Senators at 14-19-0 with 28 points. In the Western Conference, it looks like this. It is Colorado in the top spot in the Central Division at 24-11-3 with 51 points. Winnipeg, 23-9-4 with 50 points. Dallas 22 10 and 4 with 48 points. Nashville 21 16 and 1 with 43 points. Arizona 19 15 and 2 with 40 points. Uh, St. Louis 18 17 and 1 with 37 points. Minnesota 16 16 and 4 with 36 points. And the Chicago Blackhawks are 11 25 and 2 with 24 points overall. Pacific Division is led by the Vancouver Canucks. At 24, 10, and 3 with 51 points. The Vegas Golden Knights are 22, 11, and 5 with 49 points. The Kings 29, and 5 with 45 points. Edmonton 19, 15, and 1 with 39 points. Seattle 15, 14, and 9 with 39 points. Calgary 16, 16, and 5 with 37 points. Anaheim 13, 23, and 1 with 27 points. And the San Jose Sharks are the worst team in the National Hockey League at 9, 26, and 3 
with 21 points. So again, the Jackets, a huge win tonight over the Philadelphia Flyers. Big win for the Jackets tonight at the at the Wells Fargo Center as the Jackets, a huge win tonight. As you're watching and listening to a special edition of All Andy Alford, the first edition of the 2024 season right here on the All Andy Alford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. The Jackets coming off a huge win at in Philadelphia. So, we transition from the pond to now the uh, gridiron as we now talk a little National Football football League as the NFL is headed towards the end of the season, of course. And we want to talk a little bit about the 2023 NFC North champion Detroit Lions. How about my Lions? How about our Lions? Lions getting the job done. On Christmas Eve, beating the Vikings by a score of 30-24. to Quick synopsis of the game. I thought it was a very good game on all rounds. Jumped out to that early, jumping out to the 17-14 lead at halftime. And then they just you know punched the gut in the fourth quarter with the Jamar Gibbs three-yard run, making it 30-21. to It was not enough for the for the Vikings to come back as Goff was 30-40 for 40 for 257-1 TD. Uh, Mullins... The, the interception at the end of the game was absolutely beautiful. The Lions are the champions of the NFC North. The first time that's ever happened in my lifetime. I've been on this planet for 34 years. I did I was not I was young enough not I was not capable enough at the time to be watching football religiously like I am now. But the Lions are the in FC North champions. And then then we get to last weekend. Big game on Saturday night in Jerry World. Jerry World! As it was the Detroit Lions taking on the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm just going to say this. The Lions got screwed by the officials. The officials screwed the Lions. Plain and simple. Screwed them. Because Decker checked in. The Lions should be 12-4. and four. And I got to give Dan Campbell credit. He's got some big balls to go for it. On, go for a two-point conversion. To go for it. And it not happen. The St. Brown pass from Goff gets it. Takes the... They tie... They, they have the opportunity... To take the to go ahead and go for the win, and Decker checked into the game. Decker checked in. Goff throws the pass. Decker catches it. It's good. The Lions are up twenty-one to twenty. The flag came out. Ineligible receiver downfield on Detroit, and Decker was the one that called it on. He was clearly he checked in. The officials screwed this up. They have been this this referee, this referee, and I you know I'm critical on referees. This 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 crew was absolutely ter- terrible, absolutely terrible, in all aspects. Bad calls. 
throughout the game. They've been they were back. They this is the crew that screwed over the Chiefs in Lambo. This is the one that screwed up. This is this crew is going to be uh, officiating the Steelers Ravens game this weekend. They're not going to be doing any more of this. They're not going to be uh, refereeing the rest of the season after this. You watch and see that they're gonna they're gonna take it out, and this is why National Football League should have full time referees, not part time referees, full time referees that understand the game and understand what's happening. Golf had a good game, you know, two interceptions, nineteen for thirty four. 271 yards, one TD. Dak Prescott, 26 for 38 for 345, two TDs, one interception. But the Lions, the Lions needed that game to win. They win, they get they get the number two seed. They really do. But what happens? They lose, they get screwed by the officials, and now they're stuck at the three seed. That's the best that they could get. Bearing what happens this weekend. Bearing what happens this weekend. I'll get to that in a second. But the Lions. Got screwed against Dallas. And now, clinch the playoff spot. They're in the playoffs. They won the North. They're going to have a home playoff game. The question is, the question is, is pretty much set in the NFC. The AFC is the more interesting dilemma. Now, of course, the Browns in Week 16 went down to Houston to take on the Texans. And the Browns got away with a big, huge victory against the Houston Texans as Amari Cooper set a franchise record for 265 total yards in receiving as the Browns put a shellacking on the Texans, 36-22. Flacco, Joe Flacco, Joe Cool, 27 for 42 for 368 yards, three TDs, two interceptions, uh, C.J. Stroud did not play, so it was uh, Mills, 15 for 32 for 149 yards, two TDs. Browns, a big win, 36 to 22. Now we get to last week. Now, last week I had an opportunity with our good friend Logan Carr, as he is a season ticket holder for the Browns, to go to Cleveland Browns Stadium for the Browns game against the New York football Jets. My first NFL game with a team that I actually have been following, which is the Browns. I've been following the Browns with you guys. And it was a Thursday, the Thursday night game. And Flacco looked very, very good. Very, very comfortable in the pocket. He's throwing it deep, and the crowd loved it. And they dominated this game. You know, and it was all on the run, run side of the ball in the first quarter. But I've never been in a stadium that loud, and I've never dealt with the fans that are so passionate like that. Four... And Kareem Hunt jumped out on the run game. The Jets got the pass from Semyon. It's it and then the interception. It's twenty to seven at the end of the first quarter. Elijah Moore getting the pass from Flacco. Ford gets the pass from Flacco. The interception, though, really hurt them. And Zerline getting the field goal at the end of the first half. It's 34-17 Browns, and the crowd was just into it. It was it was very deafening, very, very loud, very, very passionate. Fourth quarter comes, field goals happen, but the defense stood strong. The Browns defense stood strong, the Jet defense stood strong, and the Browns get away with the victory 37-20 and clinch 
a playoff spot. They'll be the top wild card team in the AFC, bearing what happens these next couple days. And I'll get to that in just a second. But Joe Flacco in the game, 19 for 29 for 309 yards, three TDs, one interception. Trevor Simeon, 32 for 45 for 261, one TD, one interception. Jerome Ford, 12 carries, 64 yards in the game. It was uh, David Njoku, six catches, 134 yards passing for the Browns in this game. And it was a great game. It was it was great to see. Uh, to take the experience, and I'll, I'll dive more into that in Andy Rance in a minute, but the, the experience in that stadium was absolutely amazing. It was very, very electric, and it, it's di- it's different than watching the game on television. I will give you that. I will definitely give, definitely give you that. So the rest of the Week 17 slate, Ravens put a shellacking on the Dolphins 56-19. to Patriots follow the Bills 27 to 21. How about the Bears beating up on the Falcons 37 to 17? Colts a big 23 to 20 win over the Raiders. Jaguars shutting out the Panthers 26 to nothing. The Texans a 26 to 3 win over the over the Titans. Rams getting a big close win 26-25 with the Giants. How about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals getting a big 35-31 win over the Eagles, putting a lot of pressure now on this Eagle game against the Giants this week for them, as well as watching that Dallas game against Washington. We'll get into those my predictions in just a second. Uh, New Orleans, a big 23-13 win over Tampa Bay. Washington falls to the 49ers by the score of 27-10. Steelers, a 30-23 win over the Seahawks. The Chiefs getting a win with Barry Mahomes, 25-17 over the Bengals. The Broncos, a 16-9 win over the Chargers. And the Packers getting a huge win, 33-10 over the Vikings, knocking the Vikings out of the playoff spot. So now that sets up Week 18, the final regular season week in the National Football League. And we start first and foremost with three, two games on Saturday, both on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN+. Plus. We'll start with the 4.30 slate, as it will be the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 9-7, taking on the Lamarless Jackson Baltimore Ravens, they have decided they're not going to start most of the starters. Ravens 13-3, they are the number one overall seed, the overall number one seed in the AFC. They have clinched that outright. They will have home field throughout, right? So the Ravens are not dressing most of the start. Pittsburgh's a four-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, But I think the Ravens will will keep it close most of the game. I think the Ravens' second, second string... Is better than the is better than the Pittsburgh first string, but the problem is I think Pittsburgh will try to win and try to save Mike Tomlin from having a losing uh, a real true losing season. The big game, of course, on Saturday is is Houston versus Indianapolis. The winner of that game wins the NF uh, will get a playoff spot. Texans are nine and seven. Colts are nine and seven. In uh, Houston is a, a one and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Houston to beat Indianapolis in that game. The Saturday slate sees Tampa Bay 8-8. Sunday slate will see Tampa Bay taking on Carolina. Tampa Bay, four-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going to take Tampa Bay in that one. Uh, Could be the final game for Bill Belichick in the head coaching realm against the New York football Jets. Patriots, 4-12. Jets, 6-10. Game on Fox. New England, a two-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take New England in that game. Uh, Atlanta seven to nine takes on the New Orleans Saints at one o'clock on CBS. 
Uh, 1 o'clock kick, New Orleans three-point favorite in that game. I will take New Orleans in that game. Jacksonville will travel to Tennessee to battle the Titans. Jacksonville three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Jacksonville in this game, which sets up the local games at the 1 o'clock slate. And we'll first and foremost start off with a game that's happening in Cincinnati, Ohio, as the Cleveland Browns, 11-5, clinched the playoff spot, will take on the 8-8 eight eight Joe Burrow-less Bungles. The Bungles are a seven-point favorite in this game. No Joe Flacco. Most of the number ones are not going to play in this game. I'm going to take the Brown. I'm going to still take the Browns to beat the Bengals in this game. I did not like what I saw with the Bengals last week against the Chiefs. I will take the Browns to beat the Bengals, and that sets up the big one. One o'clock on Fox. Most of the country will get this game. As it will be the 7-9 Minnesota Vikings taking on the 11-5 Detroit Lions. Lions locking up the number 3 seed right now. They could possibly move to the number 2 seed with the possible win. With a possible win. With a loss for both Philadelphia and Dallas in the game. They both lose. Lions move into the 12-5 spot. Should be twelve. It should be twelve. They should be thirteen and four, but that's not going to be the case. Lions are three and a half point favorite. I'm going to take the Lions in that one. Four o'clock slate looks like this: Seattle on the road to battle Arizona. Seattle a two and a half point favorite. I'll take Seattle in that game. Uh, the Bears seven and nine will travel to Lambeau. Take on the Packers, who are eight and eight. Packers trying to get a playoffs, try to get somewhat of a spot. Packers a three point favorite. I'm going to take Chicago, beat the Packers in this game. Four twenty five sees the Kansas City Chiefs in L.A. to battle the Chargers. Kansas City ten and six. Chargers five and eleven. Chargers three and a half point favorite. I'm going to take the Chargers to beat Kansas City in this game. Broncos and Raiders. Broncos 8-8. Eight eight. The Raiders are 7-9. Raiders are three-point favorites in this game. I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. Eagles, 11-5. will take on the G-Men of the New York Football Giants. 425 kickoff on CBS. The, the Eagles are five-point favorites in this game. I'm going to take the Giants to win this game and win it good. Win it by a field goal. I think the Eagles will lose this game to the Giants. The Rams, 9-7, will go to San Francisco as a battle of the 49ers. Niners, a four-point favorite. I will take San Francisco in that game, which then sets up Dallas, who is 11-5, will go to Washington to battle the Commanders. 425 kicks. Dallas is a 13-point favorite in this game. i got to take Dallas to win this game. I hope that both Dallas and Philadelphia lose this so that we can – Get the number two seed, but I I have that feeling Dallas is going to win and win this game and win the division. I really do I think they win the division with that win, and which sets up the Sunday night game, which is a big game for the AFC East Championship, as the Buffalo Bills at ten and six will travel to Hard Rock Stadium to take on the Miami Dolphins, who are 11-5, 8-20 kick on NBC. It's the biggest game of the, of the weekend. Buffalo, a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the Bills 
to circle the wagon and to win the AFC East Championship. So again, set it up again. I have Pittsburgh, Houston, Tampa, New England, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Browns, the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions to win. I have Seattle, Chicago, Chargers, Raiders, Giants in the upset, San Francisco, Dallas, and Buffalo in this week's games in Week 18 in the National Football League. So those are my picks. We'll dive more into the playoff seedings next week on All Andy Alfred and preview who the Lions will have in the wild card round, which will be next weekend in the National Football League. And we'll, as you're watching and listening to a special edition of All Andy Alfred, it's the Jackets coming off of a huge win over the Flyers tonight, 3-2 to two in a shootout. You watched, you heard me do the play-by-play right here on All Andy Alfred on the Facebook Live show. Uh, we had snippets of it for you on the, on the podcast side of things. If you missed it, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Offer for tonight's show. And you can watch and watch my reaction. It was the Jackets' big win tonight over the Philadelphia Flyers. So now we've, we've hit, talked about the National Football League. Let's talk a little college football, of course. Uh, we're going to recap the college football bowl games now and see how I did. All the bowl games have completed. We now have one bowl game left, and we'll talk about those two college football playoff games here in just a second, but we're going to recap all the bowl games. The winner of the Motor Beach Bowl is the Ohio Bobcats with a big 41-21 win. That was a win for yours truly. You have the Cricket Celebration Bowl as Florida A&M took on Howard. Florida A&M with a big win. 30 to 26. I had Florida AM in that one. That's a win for me. Jacksonville State took on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Jacksonville State gets their first win and first bowl win, FBS bowl win in overtime, 34 to 31. I had Jacksonville State in that one. That was a win. And the Avocados for Mexico Bowl. Miami of Ohio fell to the Appalachian Appalachian State 13 to 9. I had App State. I had a floor, Miami of Ohio in that game. That was a loss for me. Uh, New Mexico State took on Fresno State in the SF New Mexico Bowl. Fresno State a big 37 to 10 win. That's a loss on my part. That's a loss. It's a second loss for yours truly. However, in the Stairco Brands LA Bowl, UCLA a big 35 to 22 win over Boise State. I had UCLA. That was a win on that part. And then the Radiance Technology Independence Bowl saw Texas Tech a big 34 to 14 win over California. I had Texas Tech in that one, so I have five wins and two losses into that round. Then we get into the weekday bowl games in the famous Toastery Bowl. In overtime, Western Kentucky comes all the way back to beat Old Dominion 38-35. to I had Old Dominion. That's a loss on my part. Uh, UTSA, a big 35-17 win over Marshalls in the Scooter Coffee Frisco Bowl. I had UTSA in that one. That was a win. South Florida took on Syracuse in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. I had Florida, South Florida in that one. They won 45 to nothing over Syracuse. I That's a win for me. Georgia Tech 
beats UCF in the Gasparo Bowl on the 22nd of December, 30-17. to I had UCF in that game, so that is a loss for me. And then we get into the Saturday slate on the 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve Eve. Troy took on Duke in the 76th Birmingham Bowl. Duke gets the win 17-10 to over Troy. That is a loss for me because I had Troy in that win. NIU Northern Illinois took on Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl. And NIU getting a big 21-19 win over Arkansas State. I had NIU in that game. That is a win for yours truly. James Madison took on the Air Force in the Lockheed Martin Air Force Armed Forces Bowl, and Air Force getting the huge win over James Madison by the score of thirty-one to twenty-one. I had James James Madison, so that was a loss. Georgia State took on Utah State in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I had Utah State in that game. However, Georgia State was the winner, forty-five to twenty-two. So that's a loss on my part there. Uh, in the 68 Venturas Bowl, Eastern Michigan from the Mid-American Conference took on South Alabama. South Alabama, I picked South Alabama to win that game. Eastern Michigan falls to South Alabama 59-10. to That was a win on my part. Utah took on Northwestern in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. And the Wildcats of Northwestern, a huge win. I watched that game. Huge win for that program. 14 to 7. I had Utah. Utah in that game. Northwestern won, so that's a loss. And then the final game before Christmas, Coastal Carolina battled San Jose State in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Coastal Carolina wins 24 to 14 over San Jose State in that affair, so that was a loss for me. So I was at even 500 going into Christmas. Now we go into the bowl game. With our Bowling Green Falcons. The Falcons took on the Minnesota State, uh, excuse me, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I've been watching a lot of coach lately, by the way. Minnesota getting the win over our Falcons, but Odu Hilaire jumping out to that early jumping start for the Falcons, getting that 14 yard pass from Bazelak, made it 7 nothing. but then Minnesota then capitalized with a laser smart four yard pass. To Cole Kramer, and they ran a two-point conversion that failed, but it was still Falcons up seven to six. But then field goals, field goals, field goals in the second quarter, and the Falcons were up at the half ten to nine. But the Gophers just really pounded it out in the third quarter with a, a touchdown run at the nine twenty mark from Cole Kramer, and then Jamison Gears for a seven-yard pass from Kramer. It's twenty-three to ten. Falcons get it back for Payshon Wimberley's 18-yard run makes it 23 to 17, but the dagger was Darius Taylor's 17-yard run making it 20 30 to 17. Bazelak's two-yard run was key, but it was not enough. The Falcons fall in the quick lane bowl 30 to 24, give Minnesota their sixth win of the season. As Bazelak was 21 for 36 for 221 and one touchdown. Kramer, 8 for 16, 26 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Taylor was the spot, 35 carries for 208 yards and one TD in the game. Wimbley, three carries, 63 yards, one TD. Odu Hilaire, 10 catches, 152 yards, one TD in the game. I had Bowling Green in that game. That was a loss. That put me under 500. Texas State took on Rice in the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Texas State, a big win, 45-21. to 
That was a win on my part. I had Texas State. And then Kansas took on UNLV in the Guarantee Rate Bowl. Kansas a 49-36 win over UNLV. So that was a win on my part there. We get to the slate on the 27th. And Virginia Tech took on Tulane in the Military Bowl. And Virginia Tech gets the win. 41-20 I had Tulane in that game. That was a loss. That was a loss on my part. You had West Virginia taking on North Carolina, Duke Mayo Bowl. I like that bowl game. The winning coach gets dumped with Mayo. And it was West Virginia getting the win 30-10 to over the North Carolina Tire Heels. I had, you, I had North Carolina in that game. That's a loss. That's not good. In the DirecTV Holiday Bowl, 15th-ranked Louisville took on USC, and I figured that USC was not going to be competitive in this game, but they were competitive in this game. And Louisville falls to USC by the score of 42-28 in the game. I had Louisville in the game. That's a loss. That makes it now 13 losses and 11 wins for yours truly in all the bowl games that I predicted. However, I didn't make up for that. As the Tax Axe Texas Bowl saw Texas A&M taking on 20th-ranked Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State winning at 31-23, to so I get a win on that part. And then you get to the 28th in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Sees Boston College beating SMU 23-14. to SMU was my pick. I lost on that one. Rutgers in the Bad Boys Mowers Pinstripe Bowl took on the Miami Hurricanes. Hurricanes fall to the Scarlet Knight 31-24. I had Rutgers in that game, so that was a win. However, in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which is the the bowl game, that bowl game by itself was the best because of the because of the mascot. Plain and simple. If any bowl game you want to rewatch, watch the Pop-Tarts Bowl game. As it was NC State versus Kansas State. Kansas State with a 28 to 19 win and they win the trophy which is a pop which is a football with two pop tarts inside of it but the big prize was the mascot heated and eaten by the team. Yes, I said that right. Heated and eaten by the team. I had NC State in that game however, that was a loss for me. But then you get into the Valero Alamo Bowl. It's the 14th ranked Arizona Wildcats took on the 12th ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma falls to Arizona 38-24. I had Arizona in that one. That was a win. And then on the 29th of December, 22nd ranked Clemson took on the Kentucky Wildcats in the Tax Slayers Gator Bowl. Clemson, a big 38-35 win over, over Kentucky. I had Clemson in that one. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl saw a dominating game for Marcus Freeman and our Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish put up 40 points on the Oregon State Beavers as they beat them 40-8. to I had Notre Dame in that game, so that is a win for me on that realm. I had, uh, in the Autos on Liberty Bowl, Iowa State taking on Memphis. Memphis, a 36-26 to win over Iowa State. I had the Tigers of Memphis in that one, so that's a win there. However, then we get into the Cotton Bowl. I don't want to talk about the Cotton Bowl. That was terrible. That was the worst bowl game I've ever seen in my entire life. And I should be, if you're an Ohio State fan, you should be ashamed of that game because of all the amount of players that dropped out of that game. And it, just to be a 3 nothing game at halftime, and Ohio State doesn't put any more points up on the board, that's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Missouri beats Ohio State 14-3. I had Ohio State in the game. That was a loss. A lot of problems with that, Wayne. I don't want to get into that. 
Then you get into the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl as 11th-ranked Ole Miss took on 10th-ranked Penn State. Ole Miss getting a 38-25 win over Penn State. I had Penn State. That's a loss. Auburn took on the Maryland and the Trans-Perfect Music City Bowl and the Maryland Terps getting a huge win over the Auburn Tigers by the score of 31-13. I had Auburn. That's a loss. And then the Capital One Orange Bowl was just a shellacking. I knew it was going to be a bad beat, but this was a huge, terrible beat as Georgia put the pounding onto the Seminoles 63-3. I had Georgia in that game. That was a clear win on that one. And then you get to the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. And I got to say this, to all those people that have crit- were criticizing like Big Cat and Dave Portnoy and all the bro- for the broadcast and everything like that, you know, you you never see, you never watch, you've never watched a barstool thing. This the show, the game, the broadcast is like if you're going to the bar and you're watching the game at the bar with with these two with these two guys. That's how they act acted, and that's how they should act for this game. Plain and simple. That's how it should have been. And to me, it was hit out of the park. Wyoming gets the win 16 to 15 over Toledo. I had Wyoming in the game. That was a win for me. So, in in Toledo falls to falls in the game. I've had that right. And then you get into New Year's Day. The Raleigh Quest Bowl. I had LSU in this game and I I was surprised at how good that Wisconsin came out early on in this game. But LSU comes rallying back and wins the game 35-31. to I had LSU. That was a win on my part. Oregon just shellacked Liberty in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl 45-6. I had Oregon in that game. So that's a win there. And then the Cheese at Citrus Bowl, 17th-ranked Iowa took on 21st-ranked Tennessee. And Tennessee just... Shut shuts down the Hawkeyes thirty five to nothing in that realm. So going into the college football playoff games, I was twenty two and eighteen. Twenty two and eighteen before PF before the the CFP, and then we get to the college football playoff games. Now, I've been on this planet for third will be thirty four years in February, and I have watched college football. For the last, since I was 16. So it's been like 18, 17, 18 years. I've watched a lot of good games in the Rose Bowl. I have watched uh, the Vince Young game. I have watched the Michigan State games. I have watched Ohio State there. I have watched the college football playoff games with Georgia there. This game between between Michigan and Alabama was probably the best game I have watched in Rose Bowl history. And Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines deserved to win that game. And they earned that game. Earned that win in that game. Plain and simple. And the way that that game ended with Milrow running it up the gut in overtime on a fourth down, that can't happen. And even if it's Nick Saban, you can't have that happen. Plain and simple. So, to me, you know, and it was a sloppy game. I At one point, I figured that, you know, Alabama was going to win this game. I really did. 
But Ohio State put on their big boy pants and won the game. And I got to give it to Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy for the game. Plain and simple. Michigan, a 27-20 win over Alabama. Gets me another win. And it was a good one. Like I said, it was a good one. McCarthy, 17 for 27 for 221 yards, three TDs in the game. Milrow, 16 for 23 for 116 yards. Corum, 19 carries, 83 yards, one TD. McClellan, 14 carries, 87 yards, two TDs in the game. Wilson, four catches, 73 yards, one TD for Michigan. Michigan had 351 total yards of offense, 228 yards for Alabama. Michigan had 15 first downs to Alabama, 17. Alabama led in the time of possession, 32 minutes to 19 seconds. Michigan's 27-41. And by the way, Alabama on third down, 3 for 13 to uh, Michigan, 2 for 11. Michigan on fourth down was a perfect 2 for 2. Alabama 0 for 1. By the way, 221 through the air for Michigan, 130 on the ground of the 351 for the total yards. For Alabama, they had 280 total yards of offense, 116 through the air, 172 on the ground. So there's that. So great playoff game there. And then the nightcap was the All-State Sugar Bowl. This was a slugfest. And they survive. Washington survived. Now, I had Texas winning that game. I figured Texas, the Texas fans traveled. They did. But Michael Penix put his team on his back and helped his team win this football game. And Michigan's going to be having to deal with that a little bit. This isn't going to be a cakewalk. This isn't a cakewalk. This isn't a, a walkthrough. It's Michigan and Washington for the national championship. Michigan and Washington for the national championship. Michael Penix was 29 for 38 for 430 yards, two TDs. Quentin Ewers, 24 for 24 for 43 for 318 yards, one TD in the game. Johnson, 21 carries, 49 yards, two TDs. Was the leading rusher for Washington. Baxter, 9 carries, 64 yards, one TD for the Texas Longhorns in the game. So it sets up Washington and Texas. For the national championship, Michigan is a four and a half point favorite in this game. Seven thirty kickoff. Both teams perfect. Fourteen to zero. This game being played in it in Houston, Texas, at Reliance Stadium. I'm going to stick with what my gun is. I'm going to take Michigan to win the national championship. I think now more than ever, this is going to be a tough test in front of them. I will take Michigan to win. I don't think they. I think they win by a field goal. So give me that. Michigan to win the national championship. So overall, 23 and 19 was my bowl. My bowl predictions for the season. 23 and 19. So yeah, 23 and 19. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. And and. and when I last left you, of course, Bowling Green was getting ready for the recruits are coming in, are fantastic. And we're going to see what this portal is going to shake out as well in the offseason. So stick with us. We'll be talking Falcon football soon enough, soon enough, right here on All Andy Alford. As you're listening and watching to All Andy Alford tonight, right here 
on the All Andy Alford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now we're going to talk a little bit about some other sports, some pro wrestling, and Andy Rants as well, right here on the All Andy Alford Network. Well, let's talk a little bit some other sports as well, too. Some other sporting news to pass along to you guys, of course, too. Um, of course, the PGA is back into the swing of things as they are back into the tournaments. The Century is happening right now, and uh, uh, Tegan is leading right now at 9 under par. Colin Morikawa is in second with a slew of players. Morikawa, in Vargas, and Jason Day all tied at 8 under par right now. Also, Victor Hoblin at 8 under par as well, too. Xander Shoffley, 7 under par with Patrick Kentley, Jordan Spieth, and Scotty Scheffler is that 7 under par, too. Harmon, List, Straka, Hodge, Max Homa, Kirk, Todd, Kim, Hughes, uh, Kim, uh, Todd at 6 under par, Kim, Hughes, and Poison, as well as CJ Young and Wallace at 5 under par as well, too. Uh, Tony Finau is at 4 under par. As well, Keegan Bradley, four under par. Mika Fitzpatrick, four under par as well. Uh, Corey Connors, four under par as well. McCarthy, three under par, tied for 37th with Tommy Fleetwood, who is three under par in the tournament. Uh, Power, two under par, tied for 46th right now. Ricky Fowler, three under par, tied for 37th as well. Justin Rose, tied for 46th at two under par. And... Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's a 59 golfers in the century that's taking place in Hawaii. This kickoff of the PGA Tour season begins now this season. So there's that. PGA is back at the swing of things. And by the way, congratulations to Jersey Jerry and getting that hole-in-one today. And the 36 hours, basically, of the stream finally getting the hole-in-one. So congratulations, Jerry. You deserve it. Uh, you know, I watched a little bit of the coverage on the Barstool app. Barstool app. And by the way, all our gambling and all our sports numbers and lines are coming to us via ESPN Bets, formerly from the Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, we'd use our ESPN Bets for all our betting needs. Uh, I'm up $18. I'll take that. So if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or gamblersgamblingproblem.com. For information about and resources to help you out. By the way, state of Ohio, six billion dollars in the first year of gambling. Unbelievable, six billion dollars in gambling. So kudos to that. Also, got to give credit to this as well too. The our Bowling Green State University Falcon basketball team is hitting the hardwood and hitting it pretty well. They are ten and three overall. They'll head to Akron tomorrow. For a 9 o'clock tip in Akron for the game, uh, Toledo will be hosting Miami of Ohio. Toledo 7-6 and six overall. Uh, but Toledo coming, BG coming off of the big 92-90 win over Eastern Michigan. Toledo coming off of an 86-77 win over Ohio in their in the MAC uh, openers this past week. Also, in the women's side of the things, the BGSU women's team getting a huge win the other night against Central Michigan by beating the Chippewas by the score of 65-64. Toledo, a big 70-52 win 
over Miami of Ohio. Both teams will be back on the hard court on Saturday. BG will be hosting Western Michigan at 2 o'clock. Toledo will be at Eastern Michigan for a 1 o'clock tip as well in the Mid-American Conference women's basketball slate on, the, on, on that realm. So that will get into some pro wrestling talk. I want to talk a little bit about what we witnessed Monday night and what we saw Monday night, of course. We saw the return of... The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, comes back, interrupts the uh, scene with Jinder Mahal, throws the people's uh, the people's elbow on Jinder Mahal, but then he sets up a little bit of a a little bit of a tease. And if you've if you've seen it, it's on our Facebook page as well as on our Twitter account. He asks the crowd, "Where should he eat at? Should he eat at the?" Should be eating in a booth, should be eating at the bar, or should he be eating at the head of the table, Roman Reigns' head of the table, who is the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. That's his tagline, is the head of the table. When I heard that, I said, oh no, Cody's story is not going to get finished, CM Punk's story is not going to be finished. But then I thought about it. And I think I know what's going to happen. I see it. I see it clear as day. Roman's going to fight The Rock. But it's not going to be for the belt. Here's why I say that. In less than a few weeks, we're going to have one of my favorite pay-per-view events all year. It's the Royal Rumble. Where 30 competitors, men and women, they'll have two matches separately, will we'll throw each other over the top mat to claim a spot to, to main event WrestleMania that will take place in Philadelphia. WrestleMania 40 that will take place in Philadelphia. However, there'll be matches underneath Royal Rumble. Okay, so I believe it's going to be CM Punk and Cody Rhodes is the final two in the Royal Rumble. And Punk winning the Rumble to get it. And he will face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Here's why I say about The Rock and Reigns for WrestleMania. Randy Orton, LA Knight, and AJ Styles are having a triple threat match tomorrow night on SmackDown. I believe Randy Orton's probably going to win this match, which sets up Reigns versus Orton at Royal Rumble. And here's how I see this match happening. It's going to go back and forth, back and forth. And Randy's going to hit an RKO on Roman Reigns. And Reigns is going to like sell it and run into the referee. And Paul Heyman's going to start flagging people down. And it'll be Solo Sokoa to come down, beat the shit out of Randy Orton. And as Orton is getting hit with the spike, The Rock's music is going to hit. And The Rock's going to come down the ramp. Rock's going to come down the ramp. Look around at the ring. Solo will feed him Randy Orton for a rock bottom. Rock will look around and turn and dump Morton 
and grab Solo and hit him with a rock bottom. And Reigns will be coming too and saying, what are you doing? He's our family. What are you going to do? Rock bottom to Reigns. Looks up. Looks over at Orton, who is still like in a daze. Drags Orton's body over the top of Reigns. One, two, three. And Randy Orton is the 16-time champion. Which then sets up, since Punk has declared for, is my projected winner for the Rumble. He's Randy Orton open. The runner-up always gets the second dips. It would be Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes will challenge Randy Orton at Mania for the Universal Championship, ending the story for for Cody Rhodes. But Roman's going to be pissed about this, which sets up the match between Rock and Reigns at Mania Night 2, which will be the sublet match before the championship match. Between Punk and Rollins. The women's side of things. I I, I don't have a clear picture. It's open to anybody to win. It really is. But also you have to play into this. Also with CM Punk and Seth Rollins. The Damian Priest factor. With him still having the money in the bank contract. Will he cash that in an elimination chamber. Beforehand. It's an interesting development for WWE in that realm. They could go into different rounds with that. So there's my WWE take. Now I want to get into AEW really quickly. AEW, World's End, really good pay-per-view event. And it, it really, the wrestling last week, WWE did not have any pro wrestling last week. Live pro wrestling. There was no Raw. There was no, there was no SmackDown. There was no nothing. Nothing. Now, yeah, they're back live this week. So last week, you had to fill the void. AEW filled the void with live shows on Wednesday and the pay-per-view on Sun- on Saturday. The pay-per-view Saturday was World's End, and i got to give credit to Eddie Kingston. Congratulations to winning the triple, cr- the, the triple championship. He deserves it. He's a great wrestler. I want to get to the main event that was the AEW World Championship match, which was between Samoa Joe and a- MJF. MJF, great champion, great on the mic, shoots like crazy, love him, love him, absolutely love him. Gotta say this, gotta say this, the way that everything shook out at the end of that match with Adam Cole, you know, and Joe getting choked out, choking out MJF, winning the championship, and then Adam Cole getting pulled in by the devil's henchman into the ring, getting ready to be hit by a chair. The lights go out. We come to find out that Adam Cole is the devil himself. Betraying MJF. And the kingdom with Wardlow is his henchman. They beat the shit out of each other. And... To have that happen. Unbelievable. That was a shock. It was a shock. 
And so MJF is now off television for a while. He's actually really hurt. So he's off television for a while. So now you have Samoa Joe. It's going to be probably facing Swerve Strickland for the championship at Revolution. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, you have Adam Cole, who's now the devil, who's injured. He's going to be off television for a while, too. So now you have the Undisputed Kingdom that was on last night on AEW that was live in the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And the one big thing out of the whole thing out of this that I like is that, you know, you have it between – I think it's there's three guys that – Deserve the champion. Gonna deserve a championship run against Samojo, Swerve, Hangman, and I gotta put Daniel Garcia in that. No, Garcia looked very, very good in that match last night against Swerve Strickland. Kept with them the entire time. You know, I don't like this whole Christian Cage storyline much more anymore. It's it's just between him and 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 Adam Copeland Edge. I think it. I think it needs to go away for a while. And let that sit in the back burner and let it just stew for a while. That needs to happen. I think the Sting, Darby Allen situation with the with the Don Callis' family, that's going to be interesting. Hopefully, with Sammy Guevara adding to it and with Chris Jericho now, so that's going to be in. That'll be interesting. Um. But yeah, uh, I think a I think the world of pro wrestling for twenty twenty four is going to be very very interesting with what how WWE is shaping up, how how AEW is shaping up too, and Deanna Perrazzo coming on to all Elite, that was a shock to me. I didn't think that was going to happen. There was rumors that it was Mercedes Monet, aka Sasha Banks, going into AEW, but there's also talk that she could be coming to the Rumble. I like that odds more than her going to AEW. I think it'll be interesting to see how WWE shakes out with the Rumble and what what the surprises are going to be this season in the Rumble. Uh, we heard Sean Spears, aka the Perfect Ten, might be coming back to WWE. Uh, I don't think The Rock will be in the Rumble. I don't think. Uh, I my best bet, and I, I got to give also credit to the officiating and the doctors that stopped that match between between the Imperium, Giovanni Vinci and and Luke Kaiser, the officials stopping that match because uh, Giovanni got hurt, really hurt in that match, and the ref put his stop stopped that match because of the injury. And I got to give credit to that, absolutely credit to the WWE officials for seeing seeing something. And stopping that match. Because he was out. He was out cold. He didn't know where he was at in that match. So we send our best regards to him. On that run. So. But 2024 is going to be awesome in wrestling. So if, you, if you're if you not a wrestling fan. You might want to get on board. You might want to get on board. So yeah. So there's that for you. And uh, yeah. That's uh, that's all on the other sports side of things right here on All Andy Alford. When you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight on the plethora of platforms, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, 
Thank you for tuning in. And we've hit the end of the program tonight. It's time for Andy Rants. And it's not really just a rant tonight. I just wanted to say that, you know, it was a fun time last Thursday. I want to give a uh, thank you to my good friend, our good friend Logan Carr for uh, giving me the opportunity to go to Cleveland Browns Stadium for the first time to, to witness the Browns game. Uh, to sit with 87,000 fans, which is absolutely amazing. Just the amount of noise and the amount of, you know, camaraderie is just absolutely amazing to see. And uh, it was truly fun to witness a National Football League game live and in person. Uh, I mean, the last time I was in an NFL game was the second Monday night game when it was the Bills and the Jets at in Ford Field with our good friend Lucas Sigerson, who was very, very young at the time. We went to Detroit for that game. That was my first NFL game. Now, this is the first, so the last few games I've seen in the National Football League have consisted of the Jets. So there's that. And uh, it was fun. Uh, but I can understand why people are frustrated with how to get – getting into getting into Brown Stadium was easy. Getting out was hard. I felt like it was in wall-to-wall traffic. A lot of people. There's only two bridges that connect that stadium. And when they're all crossing, it's it's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So, yeah. Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy new year to you all. I hope you enjoyed tonight's podcast. Um, we'll be back on the air with you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Offered. Of course, um, get out, you know, enjoy uh stay warm we're going to be dealing with some cold temperatures the next few nights um with also some sloppy weather coming forward so be prepared for that um but until i talk to you guys next week again jack it's a huge win tonight over the philadelphia flyers 3-2 the walleye back into the ice tomorrow night at the bank tank against the fort wayne comments with gordy meyer back in the lineup for this weekend uh, and the new kit that they just signed up from the SPHL. That'll be fun to watch. Lions taking on the Vikings for the final game, the regular season game. The Browns in Cincinnati to battle the Bungles. Big game, of course, for our Falcons as the Falcon hockey team will take on Ohio State tomorrow night at Value City Arena at 7 o'clock. And then they will return back to Slater Family Ice Arena at 7.30. Looks like we're going to be headed to to Bowling Green for that hockey game on Saturday night. So looking forward to that. Hope to see you guys there. We'll be, you know, if you see me, say hello. Give me a hot dog. I don't care. Uh, the wife will be there. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun night. Enjoy it. We'll enjoy it. And uh, hopefully for a Bowling Green victory against Ohio State. So until I talk to you guys next week, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Falcons! Go Lions! Go Browns! And hit hit them straight. Because more birdies and less bogeys. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat. Have a great weekend everybody. And a great week ahead. I'll talk to you guys next week. For another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you, babe. Talk to you guys then. This has been a special edition of All Andy Alfred, celebrating the 15th season of All Andy Alfred on the All Andy Alfred Network with the Spotify Podcast Network. 
whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen to our show tonight, wherever and whenever you're listened, thank you so much for tuning into the show. You can always be a part of it by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElfred. Podcasts are posted each week right here using the Spotify Podcast Network. <laughs>